I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 110. And literally nothing has changed since last week. Nope. The world is still on lockdown. And uh, I don't know about y'all, but uh, sending up some emotional flares over here because your girl can't stop fucking crying. And by your girl, I mean me. No, I feel it too. I do feel it. I don't know what the fuck it is, but like you said, you two, like, there's so many people that have been like, I just randomly cry for literally no reason. Mm hmm. Well, even today, Carrie said she was talking about her vet and she said, before the virus, they stayed open, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that sounds like post apocalyptic stuff. Mm-hmm. Like before the, you know, the fall, before blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like before the virus. Yeah. And it's just, that's eerie. Mm-hmm. The Like, truly, the only solace in it is that we are really all in this together. Speaking of that, I have something that y'all could add to your queue on Netflix. Because if you're at home, what else you got to do? You know, besides, like, the honey-do list that you've made and you haven't done yet, because that's what I haven't done. Well, I was going to say, besides listening to our podcast. Oh, of course, of course, <laughs> of course. But it's called The Innocence Files, and it's on Netflix, and I'm on episode three, but it takes place in Mississippi in these first three episodes. Yeah. And in the third episode, they're in Hattiesburg. What? I know. I'm like, hey, that's my downtown. And then they're like- She owns it. Her downtown. "Mm Mm-hmm. Because he points out the courthouse, and I'm like, I've been there. Like, I went to jury duty there. Jury duty, paid your tickets. Yes, multiple tickets were paid there. Mm-hmm. But I did go to jury duty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two days. That's really cool. Yeah. So I don't know how far it goes, you know, into it, because obviously only three episodes. But so far, I am, I'm hooked. Well, I have been binge watching Ozarks. Is it just one Ozark? It's just one. Okay. A couple of people told me that it was really slow to start with. I don't know what show y'all were watching because I was like, hook, line, and sinker. I was in. Yeah, no, I liked the first season. The only thing was like the color that it was in. Yes. I don't like that. There's like some that's like in this like yellowy color and it makes poor Ruth's hair look (laughs) very Justin Timberlake circa like 1997. But... Just because of the color that they mm-hmm. dyed it and the color that it's filmed in. But then sometimes it's kind of this blue hue. It's like, yes. can we just not do this like color filter on there, please? Because I don't like it. It it's makes all the strong. actors look terrible. Yes. I'm like, can you just take it back a notch? Like, don't do the whole filter. Like, come on. I mean, what are you, me when I first got Instagram? <laughs> I mean, and still, <laughs> I still don't understand how to use them. But oh, I mean, gosh. come on now. Mm-mm-mm. You know who does understand how to work the internet? Who? Patreoners. Hell yeah, we got some new ones. So welcome to the Creepinati, Veronica L. from California. Andrea R. from California. Amy V. from Texas. Sandra L. from Massachusetts. Tristan W. from Indiana. And Angel M. from Illinois. Thank y'all for joining Patreon. We hope that you love all the bonus content. Multiple new episodes every single month on Patreon, plus you get the backlog. So if you want all that bonus content, an episode shout out, and all of the good good, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right, what you got in store for us this week? Picture it. Hexham, England, 1957. Across the pond. Your favorite. Yes. We're talking about the Pollock family, who consisted of John, Florence, and their two daughters, Joanna and Jacqueline. Joanna was 11, and Jacqueline was 6, and even though there was a gap in their age, the girls were the best of friends. You would never see one without the other, and it was like they were glued at the hip. Hexham was described as a quaint, quiet town, and the Pollocks were described as a happy family. They were blessed in all kinds of ways, including monetarily, because they had a successful grocery and milk delivery business. Okay. This did mean that John and Florence were busier than they wanted to be, and the girls were raised mostly by their maternal grandmother. 
But all in all, their life was amazing. Until May 7th, 1957. What happened? Joanna, Jacqueline, and one of their friends, Anthony, were walking to church that morning, and they were sadly hit by a car. <gasps> a hit and run? The driver was a local woman oh. who was intent on dying by suicide. <gasps> she had taken a lethal amount of pills, and she was emotionally unstable because she had just been separated from her own children. Oh, no. So people witnessed her driving crazily, but no one thought she would do any damage. And definitely not to anyone other than herself, which still isn't good. But then it all happened so fast and she ran right into them, which sent the Pollock sisters flying into the air. And when they landed, they died instantly. What about Anthony? Anthony died later on at the hospital. Oh, They weren't able to get away because there was a wall on the other side (gasps) of the sidewalk. So they were kind of cornered in. So some people speculated that the woman targeted the children on purpose. Like, if I can't have my kids, no one can have their kids. But who knows? She did go on trial and she was sentenced to a mental institution. Oh, shit. Yeah. Florence and John reacted to their devastating loss differently. Florence withdrew into a deep depression, and John, on the other hand, clung tightly to his religious beliefs and found hope in the fact that he truly believed their daughters would return to them. They would all be reunited, and this would happen because their daughters would be reincarnated. Oh, damn, okay. So let's do a little quick religious history on John and Florence. John was raised in the Church of England, but then he converted to Catholicism. Florence grew up being a member of the Salvation Army, and she became Catholic once she married John. Carrie's doing weird eyes. She rang the the (laughs) bell at Christmas time? I had no idea. I didn't look it up either. If the Salvation Army was actually a religion, I was like, okay, (laughs) I have no idea. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Had no idea. Mm-mm. So where's reincarnation come in into John's beliefs? He first read a book when he was nine years old, and it was about reincarnation. <laughs> kind of heavy for a nine-year-old. But right? I mean, yeah. geez. But he said that he would pray to God almost nightly for a sign that reincarnation was real. He wanted to prove that he was correct and all the priests were wrong. If that doesn't sound like me, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) I want, like, I want to know it's real, but I want to know that I'm right. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, back to the day of the accident, John said that he had a vision of the girls in heaven. And later on, he felt their presence in their room, so he started spending a lot of time there just to feel close to them again. Later on, he did say that he felt kind of guilty for his daughter's death because he felt like it was a punishment from God because he had always asked for proof of reincarnation, and that essentially went against everything that the church taught. But on the other hand, he really felt like his prayer was going to be answered and that his daughters were going to be brought back and be reborn into the family. And this pissed Florence right the fuck off. She hated when John talked about this, and it really drove a wedge between them and really threatened their marriage because she wanted to, like, not even think about them. You know, like, let's move forward. Mm -hmm. They're in our past, and it's sad, but, like, let's go. And he was still like, no, they're going to be our future, too. Well, I feel like, I mean, if she converted, surely they had had the religion talk, like, beliefs and all of that, like, how did she not know that he believed in reincarnation? Or was she just, like, over him talking about it all the time? Yeah, she was just over him talking about it. Gotcha. Like, yeah, it's like, okay, you believe in it, but then if someone dies, it's like, okay, I believe in reincarnation, but then my mom dies, and I'm, like, obsessed. And yeah, I'm like, this lemon is my mom, and I carry it around. You know, and you're like, Donna, like, mm-hmm. that lemon can't have a fucking seat at my table. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Can you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm sorry, your mom can't sit there because my mom's sitting there and it's a fucking lemon. You yeah. know, like you're just like, can we move forward? Can we stop? Yeah. 
I think she was to that point. Yeah. And, like, he was up in their rooms all the time. And, you know, like, she just wanted closure. And he wasn't allowing her to move on because he wasn't. Yeah. Well, then Florence was pregnant again. Oh, shit. And this fueled John even more. He was certain that she would have twins. Florence was certain he was full of shit. Even her doctor said it was going to be a single birth, and that was based on palpitation and fetal heartbeat. And there was no history of twins in their family. So delivery day came on October 4th, 1958, and to everyone's surprise, Florence gave birth to twin girls. Shut the fuck up. Everyone but John. He was... Like, adamant. He legitimately was Will and Grace. Told you so. Told you so. <laughs> to, 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 told you so. Right? Their names were Jillian and Jennifer. They were identical twins. But there was something odd that wasn't identical. Jennifer had a birthmark on her right eye and also a second birthmark that was on her waist. And Jillian did not have any of these markings, yet they were identical. Well, Jennifer, the birthmark on her right eye, looked just like the scar that Jacqueline had gotten in the same place. And then the second birthmark that was on her waist is the same place that Jacqueline's birthmark was. Oh, shit. Yeah. So fast forward a few months, and the family moved from Hexham to Whitley Bay, And this is where things get a little more interesting. As soon as the twins were able to speak, they asked for specific toys that Joanna and Jacqueline had owned. They described them in perfect detail and even called them the same names that the girls had called them. So John and Florence are baffled because the twins have never laid eyes on the toys before. They have been boxed up and stored away. And even at the new house, they're stored in the attic in boxes. And I mean, it's not like these kids are teenagers. They just start talking. Right. So they did bring the toys down. And instantly, the twins started to separate the toys into piles based on whose was whose. And they were correct. Never hesitated. Never made a mistake. And they kept saying Santa's gifts which was also correct because they were all toys from that Christmas. Maybe she did ring the bell like Santa. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, what? But Salvation Army. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Bringing it back, Donna. Full circle. Yeah, you got it. Well, when the twins were about four years old, the family returned to Hexham, and the girls knew landmarks they shouldn't such as the school that their sisters attended. The twins pointed and said that they had attended school there and they had played on the playground and stuff. But it was their older sisters who did. But it isn't like they're just passing a school and like, oh, we went there or, oh, we played there. It's like they knew before they saw what was coming up. Yeah. Like, hey, we went to a school up here, you know, and then there's a school up there. This happened again at a park, and they were all walking and not in sight of the park yet, but the twins said they wanted to go across the road to the park and the swings, and they were clearly knowledgeable on how to get there and shed. Wow. Yeah, and so they also had very similar behaviors, such as their deceased sisters. How their older sisters were very close. Joanna used to mother Jacqueline. Because, you know, she was older and everything. Jillian liked to mother Jennifer. And Jennifer accepted it. And it's just how it happened. But they're identical. They're not older and younger. Yeah. Like the other ones were. Well, it's natural for someone to take over as leader, though. True. And the twins also looked to their maternal grandmother, who, remember, had raised Joanna and Jacqueline a lot. But they looked to her for a lot of guidance, a lot of affection and everything, even though their mom was available, she didn't work, and she was there, they still picked their grandmother to turn to a lot. And it's like, again, they just felt closer to her. They said that Jillian was more social and She, you know, was just better with other children, and she also had 
the early interest in costumes and acting like Joanna had, and she was just all around more mature than Jennifer was. And then it also, like, the twins even walked the same, like, they had the same gait as their older sisters, and, like, the same builds. Jillian was more slender, like Joanna had been, and then... Jennifer was more stocky, like Jacqueline had been. They liked the same foods. And, like, it was weird, particular taste. You know, it was very, yeah, like, oh, shit. You know, you like that and that together? Like, yeah. That's just like, you know. Blah, blah. But they didn't tell them about their sisters and them thinking that they were reincarnated. You know, they didn't say all of this. Yeah. Well, there were some occasions that Florence would overhear the twins talking about the accident and sometimes like a game. And so like she wasn't super sure on the reincarnation thing. She's like, you know, I mean, kids are kids, you know, it might happen. But then when she would overhear this, she was like, hmm, okay. Well, one time she entered the room and Jillian is holding like she's cradling Jennifer's head in her lap while Jennifer is laying on the floor and Jillian saying, the blood's coming out of your eyes. That's where the car hit you. Oh, God. Yeah. And so John said that when he identified the bodies, Jacqueline's head was bandaged above the eyes. <gasps> so, like, that is accurate. And, like, they wouldn't know that. And they didn't know anything about a car wreck or anything about yeah. that. So, like. Kids play some strange games, but also, like, uh, yeah. that's oddly specific. And after a month or so, the twins started to really have an aversion to cars. They would get hysterical if a car was just passing them or if there was an oncoming car. They would say, the car's coming to get us. Oh. And even, like, they were in an alleyway one time and there was a parked car, but the engine was running. And they totally freaked the fuck out and it was just like it was unnecessary and like so Florence was like maybe it was me at first because I was overly cautious with cars obviously you know like yeah watch both ways do this do that but it wasn't to that level and like they really had an aversion yeah Another time, Jillian had pointed to Jennifer's birthmark on her forehead, and she said, that's the mark she got when she fell on a bucket. And it's not like she was born with it, but that's where Jacqueline had gotten her scar. It was like a white little scar right above it because she was like on a bike and fell and hit her head on a bucket. Ouch. And so it's like, how would Jillian know that? She pulled a carry hitting her head just while she's riding a bike on a bucket. I know. I know. There was another time when the twins were four and a half and John was doing some painting and threw on like a smock and Jennifer asked him, why are you wearing mommy's coat? So John's puzzled and he's like, how do you know it's hers? And Jennifer said that's what she wore while she delivered milk. And then she was like annoyed at Jillian. She's like, you remember? You don't remember? That's what mommy, like that's what mommy used to wear when she was working. Yeah. However, Jillian is supposed to be Joanna, and Joanna was older and would have been at school and never watched their mom work. Oh. So she wouldn't have known, really, you know, like, yeah, what certain smocks she wore and, you know, like, all of that. Another, like, uncanny kind of coinkydink is, <laughs> <laughs> is at the time of their death, Jacqueline was still learning to write, and... Her teacher was really concerned because she was holding her pencil, like, with her fist and just, like, upright. That girl needed some OT. See? Well, here's one thing. I don't even know why, like, the research put this in there, but I'm going to say it because I was like, what the hell? The teacher suggested that they correct this by slapping her hand when she did it. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm like... Uh, what? Mm-mm. No. What, in the 1950s? Right. Well, when Jillian and Jennifer began writing at 
age four, Jillian immediately picked up the pencil properly. Jennifer, however, who was just like Jacqueline, held it upright in her fist. And she only got to holding it correctly at age seven. And even like as a young adult, she would still revert to the fist grip. Hmm. Both John and Florence finally, well, John was always sure like they're reincarnated, you know, Florence came around like after it was just like, okay, how is this possible? I don't understand, you know. So they were sure that their daughters had been reborn. And in a later interview, John said that he believed it so much that he doesn't even get sad when they would go to their graves because they had been reborn and they're not there. He said it's just a symbol of two girls who had lived and that are reborn. Holy shit. Right? Well, the case kind of picked up in the newspaper and stuff because it's like... What the hell? Yeah. Well, this guy named Dr. Ian Stevenson, he learned about it through the newspaper in 1963. And that's the same year the twins were four years old. And so he was like, I got to meet the family. So he did. He went out there, interviewed the parents and examined the girls for birthmarks, etc., Dr. Ian Stevenson was a professor of psychiatry at the University of Virginia School of Medicine. He was a respected psychiatrist, but he also had a keen interest in reincarnation. And later on, he wrote a book about several children who remembered past lives, but the Pollock twins are in this book, and it's called Children Who Remember Previous Lives, A Question of Reincarnation. And I think total, it's like 11 or 13. Books? No, kids. Oh, I was like, what? That's a lot. Right? That's why I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) So Dr. Stevenson did some research, again, because, like, the girls were identical besides these birthmarks. And he's like, okay, let me see if these, if they're from one egg or, like, whatever. And so he did find out that they were monozygotic and therefore genetically identical, but genetically you can't explain Jennifer's birthmarks. So he said that in the womb, it really couldn't influence it, like, because it wouldn't have, like, it corresponded so much with Jacqueline, like, the scar Mm -hmm. and that, like, okay, so, like, if something happened in the womb, like, it's still, like, that's where her scar was. Yeah. That's where her birthmark was. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something called maternal impression. And what it is, it's like the mom, if like she's thinking about the child and if she's, I guess, like even say worried, like, oh my God, what if my child's unhealthy and it only has blah or whatever, but she constantly thinks about it. It's like you can impress upon that child, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, but he was like, I don't think that could be the cause because- Florence did not believe in reincarnation. And this whole time, like, she's like, no, this is one child in here. My doctor says it's one kid. Like, you're fucking wrong. Right. And I'm about to divorce your ass. Right. You know, so he's like, I I don't think that's a thing. And then later on, he said that he, and I love this word, it's inconceivable. Because I know you haven't watched it, but The Princess Bride It's one guy. It's the teacher from Clueless that they set up with Miss Geis. Mm -hmm. It's him. But he's like, inconceivable. Anyway, but he said that he finds it inconceivable that the Pollocks could have molded the behaviors of their twins to be exactly of their deceased daughters. Right. He was like, even if they really wanted it, it's like... I mean, this isn't what he said, but it's like, that's what they're trying to do with AI now, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. still not perfect. Like, how is this going to be exact? Well, then all of a sudden, one day, everything changed. And when the girls turned five, the memories of their past lives just kind of faded away. It's always around that age, isn't Mm -hmm. it? 
So Dr. Stevenson, he met with the family again in 1967. And then, you know, he kept writing to them and like keeping up with them. And then he visited them again in 1978 when the twins were 20. Then there was one more time that Jillian had experienced something, and that was in 1981. And it said that she had experienced, quote, inner visions. And it was basically just like a recovered memory where she saw herself playing in a sandpit with her brothers. She, like, perfectly described the house, the garden, the lawns, like, everything about this house that she had never been to. But Joanna had been younger than four when she was there, and it was at a place called Wickham that, you know, they had been in, but again, Jillian had never been there. And that was the last memory that was recorded by the twins. Okay, so Carrie looked at me weird because I said brothers, like in the sandpit with her brothers, Mm -hmm. because that's one of the skeptical kind of things that people say, okay, well, maybe... Maybe the parents didn't say anything to the kids, but maybe their brothers, because in the retellings of the story, they leave out that they had brothers. Yeah. You know? And so the brothers could have said something and whatever. However, on that, the birthmarks is something that can't be fucked with. You know? Like, that is legit. And even then, I don't know... Like, just some of the shit that they did. And even if, like, the brother said, like, you had older sisters. and Because the brothers wouldn't know that they thought they were reincarnated. You know? Like, yeah. they're still too young. You know what I mean? Like, no one's going to go around and be like, we think your sisters are reborn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, creepy. But, like, even if they said that, I don't... I mean, at, like, three, you don't fucking know. And at, like, two... You wouldn't remember all the names that your brother said, hey, there's a box of toys up there, and it's yeah. called this, and this is yours, that's yours. You know, like, there's just no way. No. I couldn't remember that if you told me right now and said, okay, $500,000 is on the line. Remember these? I'd be like, oh, shit. Yep. Like, I got the nervous belly. I need, you know, like, I need water. All the things. Like, a two-year-old is not going to be able to retain that fucking information. Yep. But another skeptical kind of thing is that grieving parents do desperate things. And maybe they did kind of like mold them into it and like make up things maybe or because it's really a lot of them retelling Mm -hmm. and stuff, you know. So it could all be like that because, again, at five, they don't really remember anything. However, we know that multiple cases are like that. Yeah, like at five, they just Mm -hmm. stop remembering. But it's also like that's when they start to be their own person. Like you go to kindergarten, you start learning things and, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so it makes sense that they're putting like knowledge into their, you know what I mean? Like they're having like a schedule and all of the things that, I mean, you're, I feel like your brain just can't retain all of that so like the past life stuff kind of gets washed away yeah but i feel like it's probably actually a really like blessing for these girls that they don't remember anything after five because could you imagine like growing up and your whole life somebody like thought you were somebody else and so it's like you know, you're Donna and everybody thinks that you're your sister that passed on years ago. And it's like, but I'm Donna, even Mm -hmm. if I have her traits or even if it is her, you're, you're Donna, you're not her. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, just, it's probably a really good thing that they stopped remembering at five because I think that that could really fuck them up. Oh, for sure. Cause I mean, just like you just said, like you would never feel adequate enough. Exactly. And like, yeah, you would never live up to it because it'd be like, well, I want to do this, but what would so-and-so do? Well, because you can never fill a dead person's shoes. No. Because they're always going to be put on a pedestal because you're going to remember the great things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you'll never be them. Yeah. 
And two, like, they only lived to 11 and 6 mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's like, past that, you don't know what the fuck they would have done. So, you know, it's like, now let me just be me. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. And then it's, I can't even imagine being a parent who loses a child at that age and then has another child that is like the other one. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just... I don't think that it would be comforting for me. I think mm-hmm. it would be traumatic. Me too. I'm not I'm not saying it's wrong if you want to clone your animals or anything. Like I'm not saying that cuz you do you with your 50k or however much it costs. You do you. Or you can become a Patreon. I we can make a tier for that. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Clone Wars. But I could never clone Marley because I'd be like, that's not Marley. Yeah. Like every time, you know, it would yeah. make me sad that yes. that's not Marley. I feel like you'd always be like, Marley wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's, it, that's a hard thing. Parenting's hard enough. Death is hard enough to mix it all in and do the hokey pokey. I don't know what I was about to say, but oh gosh. But it's uh, yeah. just so interesting. And the Pollock twins are really used for people who believe in reincarnation because it's so like the birthmarks. And because birthmarks are so important in reincarnation. Like, oh. you know, because it can be a birthmark that you shared with the person who, you know, is reincarnate. However, it could also be like, if they got shot, you might have a birthmark where they, where they were, got yeah. shot. Okay. Stuff like that. So that is something that's, you know, kind of concrete for people who believe in reincarnation. I just want to know the reasoning behind why when they're like four, five years old, it all goes away. But also if you think about it, like people, like kids who see ghosts and stuff, mm-hmm. around that time, you know, it kind of changes. But why? What is it? Is there like a piece of the brain that matures is there they're old enough to understand certain social constructs like what is it that makes it switch right but i just thought this was super interesting and i love past lives and you said something about it on sinister sightings yeah that you're like i love past lives and i was like hee 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 i'm actually doing it nice but no i liked this a lot awesome I don't think it was like God answering his prayers and they're reincarnated because of that. Like, if they were reincarnated, it's because they were taken too soon and like their souls needed to do more, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. It wasn't because of John and him like praying them into existence again, you know, like it was their soul's journey that caused that. Yeah. Well, that was a good one. Yay. My story today was actually recommended by one of the amazing creepsters in the Facebook group. Bridget messaged me and she was like, okay, have you heard of this? You need to do it. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So here we are. Thanks, Bridget. I listened to a podcast about this story called The Minds of Madness. And then there's a website called The Daily Mystery. And then, of course, you know, my favorite YouTube videos. So I am doing the story of Katrina Smith. Okay, so picture it. It's October 22nd, 2012. We're in McChesney Park, Illinois. So sorry if I mispronounced that. Okay, husband and wife, Todd and Katrina, just got home. They It's their seventh wedding anniversary. They had just gotten back from an anniversary trip that they took to D.C. And they had just gotten home, starting to unpack and all. You know, doing, well, you know, what normal people do, they, like, unpack, start doing laundry, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, like, scrounging for what I have to wear to work the next day and unpack my suitcase three months later. Let's be honest. Um, Let's be honest. I still think from November, I still have some stuff from our Atlanta trip. In a suitcase? Yeah, my weekender. Obviously, I don't wear what I thought I would wear there. Well, in your defense, I've traveled, like, a bunch since then. So, yeah. I mean, like, my little toiletries bag, I still have shit in that. But, mm-hmm. like, because I take that on every trip. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's, like, some soap in there and some deodorant, you know, all that yeah. stuff. 
Baby powder. I mean, if you are a big girl in the South and you don't wear baby powder, you are a changeling, Donna. Look, I don't know how you do. I can't breathe in it. I can't breathe not in it. (laughs) What are y'all? Because I'm drowning in sweat. (laughs) What are y'all? Are you team baby powder, team no thank you? How can y'all live like that? Also, but don't get it with the talc. (laughs) 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 Okay. So Katrina had a big interview the next day. She worked in human resources. She was like a like a HR coordinator. And she had this big interview the next day. So while she was doing her laundry, she sat down at Todd's computer so that she could just send some like confirmation emails about the interview, you know, that kind of thing. Oh shit, what did she find? Nothing. Oh, okay. I know. It sounds like like he mm-hmm. she found like You've got mail and it's like Hey, Todd, we going to meet? Uh-huh. No, no, no. Like, who's, who is hot cam girl 6969? <laughs> who's military guy? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> military guy for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm referencing? No. The staircase. Oh, was that his name? It was like some military thing. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant because every time we've ever been on a dating website, we always get like oh, oh, for sure. fake catfished because we're like, boy, please. Yes. By military people. Who's not a military person. Yeah, because like, mm. they're like, so can we get out of the app? Because I'm stationed <laughs> in blah, 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 blah. Can we switch over to WhatsApp? Oh, my God. But no. Yeah. His guy. And then that guy had to... Testify, and they read their messages and stuff. How, like, that is the ultimate embarrassment. But, and it's so funny, though, because it really was, like, maybe it was, like, top military guy or some like something like yeah. that. And so it's, like, whatever military guy, military guy, 69, said, blah, blah, blah. Did you say that? And he's, like, yes, I did. And he's, like, in a nice suit, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's, like... It's very lewd what they were talking about. Yeah, and they're, like, so serious when they read it, too. Like, when the attorney has to read it, they're like, you make me so hot. Did you say that? (laughs) (laughs) Like the Jodi Arias trial, too. Oh, gosh. Please never have to read my text. I know. I I always used to think that, like, we even talked about it on that episode where it was, like, send text messages like you're going to have to read them in court one day. Yeah, please don't. I know. I didn't. I mean, if you're going to read my text, I need you to bundle it up and sell it as a Kindle version and get me some money. Like a sticky bathroom book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be next to a glory hole. <laughs> I'm single, Okay. And all I got during this quarantine is a fucking Pringle. (laughs) Okay. After Katrina sends all of her emails, confirming, finalizing the interview stuff, she tells Todd, okay, I'm going to head out because she's actually house-sitting for a friend. So she goes to their condo for the night. The next morning, Todd sends her a text and he says, good luck on your interview. You're going to be awesome. But Katrina doesn't answer back. Dun, dun, dun. But, you know, maybe she was nervous. Maybe she was already at the interview when he, you know, who knows, right? So as the day progresses, Todd still doesn't hear from Katrina. So he's starting to get a little more anxious. He's starting to get like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. Then he finds out that she didn't show up for work. Oh, shit. And Katrina is, again, I mean, she's in HR. Like, she's a professional. She's... You know, she's going to be on time. She's going to come to work. She's not going to no call, no show kind of thing. Yeah. So he calls to check in about her interview. And she didn't show up for the interview either. So now he's really like, what the fuck is going on? You know, where is she? Yeah. So Todd goes to the sheriff's station and he's like, look, she's missing. She didn't go to her interview. She didn't go to work. Like, please help. So the police get Todd's computer and they see, you know, yes, they have all these emails that Katrina, she really did send about everything. And so they're like, something clearly is going on, you know. So they start doing a search around the area. 
the family sets up like a where's Katrina Facebook page kind of thing. So I'm assuming they went and checked the friend's house that she was house sitting? I'm sure. Okay. Well, spoiler alert, she ain't there. Okay, just making sure. (laughs) So it's the Winnebago County Sheriff's Department that's like taking the lead. They officially classify her as a missing person and they're doing, you know, all the searches to find her, reaching out, you know, just doing everything that they can to try to find her. Yeah, all their due diligence. Yes. Well, it wasn't long before the police actually find Katrina's car. She drove a Chevy Cruze and they found it about two miles from her house. They had gotten this report that there was an abandoned car, like, at this intersection. So, you know, somebody come check it out. And then when they go check it out, they're like, oh, shit, this is Katrina's. Well, at first, when they look at it, at the scene, it it's clear that the car had been, like, wiped clean. Like, there wasn't really any, like, visible evidence or anything like that that they could see. So, of course, they still take it to do, like, more forensic testing. So, the police are still looking because, okay, they have her car, but no Katrina. And two days later, they find her wallet and her cell phone. Some stuff said it was just a couple of feet away, which I'm like, why did it take them two days to find it? But some stuff said it was like 500 feet. So I'm going to guess 500 feet seems more logical as to why it would take two days to find a cell phone and a wallet. So So like I said, they find the cell phone and the wallet. And then not far from that, there's some bloody paper towels. So it's like, Mm -hmm. what? It doesn't seem like anybody thought that maybe she just, like, up and vanished. You know, it wasn't like, a, oh, maybe she left her life. But it this just really confirms, like, there's some shit that went down. Yeah. Well, Todd is just a basket case. He is so upset. You know, he, he's, like, doing stuff in the media, being like, please, you know, if you have any information, you know, send it to us. Help us find Katrina. I love her. I miss her. Blah, blah, blah. Well, they had said, he had said something to some friends about the police had found some blood in the car, but they hadn't. And so the police were like, wait, what? And he was like, oh, I must have just like misunderstood something. Oh, shit. And they were like, all right, weird, but okay. So now we're four days into Katrina being missing. And Todd is still like, basically... Every day. Distraught. Yeah, but like doing interviews with the media, like, you know, it's just like when he does it, he's like, (gasps) like can't even Mm -hmm. say words. He's so emotional, you know. Yeah. Which, look, you know, you know how me and uh, basically everybody hates 911 calls? Families and like their husbands and their parents and all that. They're like, please for their families to come home safely. I can't watch that shit. Yeah. I can't do it because one, I'm either trying to like scrutinize them or two, I just can't handle all the emotions. Yeah. Like it's too much. But total, Todd was in the news like 15 times. Damn. About like, please help us find her, you know. Mm -hmm. And again, just so emotional. So, you know, the police are just looking into their lives and they're trying to figure out, like, who would want to hurt her? Where could she be? You know, all these things. And, you know, they know, okay, Katrina and Todd are married. She is a stepmom. Todd has three kids. Again, it was, you know, it was their seventh wedding anniversary. It seemed, you know, it seemed like a happy marriage. It seems like they had, like, they had their shit together. They had money, all the things. But the more digging police did the more they found out that basically it was all a show oh shit katrina was having an affair with a guy from work named guy gabriel so police figure this out because now that they have her cell phone they're able to like do some more digging open up all her messages all that kind of stuff and police figure out that the night that she disappeared she had gotten some texts from Guy. And the texts were stuff like, what's wrong? Have you told him you want a divorce? There's nothing left in you for him. Nothing. He wants it this way. Well, newsflash, he has no say. So it was like all these messages, but she wasn't answering. 
Mm. So it's like, hmm. But police do some digging about Guy, and they find out that he has a history of domestic violence because he's going through a divorce himself. And so he's got this whole kind of violent history. So now police are really like, hmm. Okay, so they're having an affair. He's got this violent past. She didn't answer his text messages, but I'm thinking over here, well, is it just a ploy? Like, he's sending her all these messages to be like, see, I was messaging her, and she wasn't answering. Oh, I'm like, she did. But was he, did he do it? And he's messaging her to be like, see, I was messaging her. She didn't message me back. True. Could have been trickery. Mm-hmm. Police start interviewing coworkers, and they find out that Katrina had kind of been through a lot of late. She just felt like she was being stalked. Like, she just felt like somebody was always watching her. Like, somebody always knew where she was. One time, she and some coworkers were all out, like, outside after, you know, lunch break, smoking, whatever. And this person pulled up. That They were disguised and, like, in a convertible and pulled up through the parking lot at work and, like, threw all of these flyers out at the, all the coworkers. And all those flyers say, Guy fucked Cat. He was able to fuck Katrina from HR in record time. Yeah, she's married with a family. But when Guy turned on the charm, her legs fell open. Damn. Yeah. So, whoever it was, was like fucking out in her. Uh-huh. And so, it was like, well, who the fuck is that? You know, it's like, again, somebody stalking her. And... Police found a guy that a couple of years ago in the neighborhood had gotten in trouble for being like a peeping Tom, looking in like Katrina and other women's windows and stuff. And so they're like, okay, let's look at this guy. You know, maybe he was jealous, all the things. So the police look into this guy, and at the time he was a minor when he had gotten in trouble. Well, now it was, it'd been a couple of years. He's 18. He'd gone off to college. So it wasn't him. He wasn't even in the area anymore. So it's mm. like, damn, okay, not him. Well, Guy had a rock solid alibi. So it's not Guy. So they're like, fuck, okay. Well, who is it? Like, who is stalking her? Who is. Who distributed these flyers? You know, all the shit. So the police are like, who's left? Todd. Mm. I don't know why he wasn't the first one, but Mm. I think, honestly, I think he played a good game at the beginning to be like, you know, he really had him fooled as far as like the grieving husband. Well, they find out that Todd had some secrets himself. He was an insurance and investment broker. And, you know, from all appearances, was the breadwinner, was, you know, just doing really good. They were both these professionals who were just, you know, doing their thing, raising those three kids, doing their best. However, Todd and his business partner had stolen $983,000 from their clients. Holy shit. Yeah. So, he and his partner had been indicted on, like, seven counts of mail fraud, ten counts of wire fraud, and Todd pled not guilty, but his partner had pled guilty, and, like, everything was done. It was all settled, like, he had been sentenced, like, every everything was done, but Todd, like, wanted to go to court about it. Nobody but Katrina knew this. Like, it was a complete secret. They hadn't told anybody. So, again, it was just one of those things where their life appeared very different than it was. You know, they had this happy marriage. They had money. Well, meanwhile, he was actually broke and in trouble for stealing money, potentially going to jail for, like, 15 years. Mm. She was having an affair. They had just gotten back from this seven-year anniversary trip. But what they found out was... No, she was actually living at that condo, not house-sitting. Oh. Yeah. So it's like everything was a lie, you know? Yeah. So now that the police had a little more time 
to forensically investigate, process her car, they start getting some actual tangible evidence. They found a card, like a handwritten card in the car, and it's from Todd. And he says, I'm scared to death that you're going to start talking to someone who will take advantage of the situation. I will do whatever it takes. I want to grow old with you. I love and cherish you, Katrina. Love, Todd. Of course, he leads with, I'm scared that you're going to tattle on me. But also, I want to grow old with you. I love you. But don't turn me in. Mm -mm. That's not what he said. Oh. You're going to start talking to someone who will take advantage of the situation. Like. Oh. Well, all this stuff I, when I was like the podcast and all that, the, the YouTube videos, all that. How I took that to meant was like they were on the rocks. Mm-hmm. And it was somebody, like, he was implying, like, Guy coming in and taking advantage of her vulnerability. Oh, okay. That's how I took it. But it could have just been how it was presented to me in, in those different platforms. I don't know. But that's how I took it. Oh, okay. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Police find more text messages from Guy that say, it will be over before you know it, and then the healing begins. He says, it's your house. You either sell it or he goes. Did you tell him too little too late? You know, like they're going Mm -hmm. back and reading them. You know, it's like, because he's like, I'll do anything and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, yeah, whatever. They also find in her purse where she had had appointments with a divorce attorney. So like Mm -hmm. she was moving forward. Like, but see, that's what I understand, though. Why'd they go on that trip to D.C.? Like, if she had moved out, had met with a divorce attorney, I mean, maybe they were just giving it one more go. Maybe it was like, yeah, let me try one more time to save this marriage. And if this doesn't work, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've never been I've never been married. I don't, I mean, you know. I'm, yeah. I feel like you would literally do anything you can to save it. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe that's why, but... Well, and they seem to love to keep up appearances, though. So they might have had a plan and, and was like, well, we need to go anyway. Or, you know, yeah. well, so many people knew about it anyway. So, yeah. Well, and I'm over here like, well, it's paid for. So, yeah. Well, police found out that that wasn't the only thing Todd was hiding. Todd Smith wasn't his name. You don't say. Oh, shit. Yeah. His real name was Todd Rapperger. Well, I would have changed it to Smith, too. <laughs> you know I can't say that shit. I'm I'm probably not either saying that correctly. But anyway, so this is... Okay. And, okay, Todd, you put... You did Smith? Well, when you're trying to disappear... I mean, but Smith... Pick the most common name. Do you know how many Todd Smiths are in this world? Uh, Yeah. One was our teacher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But I'm just saying, like... So this is why he changed his name. When he was 17, he was arrested for arson. Not just any arson. Arson of his family home. For that money. No, he was 17. While his family was in it. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I meant for, like, his family to get the money. No, 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 no. But, oh, no, he, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He wanted to have no more family. Well, it could have been for money. But either way. it would have been life insurance policies. Well, because he was 17, he was only sentenced to 30 months probation. What the fuck? And then he had to do, like, drug stuff. Like, drug treatment stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then easily changed his name to Todd Smith. Mm-hmm. From Rapunzel. (laughs) So the police are really, like, they're able to get a search warrant to, like, really search stuff. At this point, we're 17 days out from anyone having seen or heard from Katrina. Police are able to do more digging on his computer. And they hit pay dirt. That's the second time you fucking said that. Well, I like it. You know where I learned that from? What? Lieutenant Joe Kenda on uh, ID. Um, it's out. It's also a um, slot machine game. On Todd's laptop, they find a folder called KS10412. 
Oh, Katrina Smith and then the date. Uh-huh. It's the date that she met Guy Gabriel for drinks. Ooh. Okay. Then in another folder, they find the flyer. Ooh. Yeah. So they're like, Burp. so they know that, I think it was a, like a VW or something. I forget what the car was that the, that the person who threw the flyers where it was in. Yeah. I, like that is just so <laughs> mean girls to me. Is it, doesn't <laughs> she literally do that from a convertible throw flyers? <laughs> like that's like literally a scene from that, right? I can't think of it right off the top, but it's, it really feels like that. So they do some digging and they find where Todd had rented the exact make and model of that car. Hmm. 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 The other folder that they found that was of like, hmm, about him was one called Super Track Stick. And that is a GPS device. Hmm. And so on that, it had the coordinates of all of Katrina's movements. But you know what it also had? It had the coordinates of where her car was last mm. found going from that car to his car back to the house. Oh, shit. Dumb. Dumb. Oh, gosh. And let me take that. Yeah. <laughs> like- well, and you know, I mean... Smart to take it off so police yes. didn't find it. They take did it find off. they did find something dangling, and they were like, "What the fuck is that?" You know. Mm-hmm. So they knew something had been there, but they really, you know. So yes, smart to take it, but turn the motherfucker off. Turn it off. Throw it away. Do something like stomp on it. it. Yes. Yes. Don't take it back to your lair. <laughs> I mean, what you gonna use that on your next wife? I mean, why are you right? keeping it? Yeah. He had been tracking her for three years. Okay. Uh huh. The police do, like, all the forensic thingies to find that there is actually blood everywhere in the car. It just looked like it had been cleaned, you know, just visually. But when they started putting luminol and all the things in there, they were like, oh, and it's Katrina's blood. So they're like, okay, she's dead. We know she's dead. We know Todd did it. We just can't fucking prove it. One, they don't have a body. And two, they can't fucking prove it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, this is how they prove it. Remember me saying that, of course you do because I just said it, but that the GPS showed, like, taken from her car, and it's at their house, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they have video surveillance from a neighbor's house that shows Todd, like, walking down the street, and the GPS coordinates of that and timestamps match that video. Oh, shit. Yeah. Damn. So now it's like, got him. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of? And it reminded me of this, too, and I didn't want to say it because, hmm, but. Your boy. Uh-huh. 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 In his thing, he was. <laughs> uh-huh. But also, his neighbor uh-huh. uh, had him on video back in his truck and at three in the morning and loading something up, you know, and all mm-hmm. that shit. And it's like, <laughs> like everybody has a ring now. Everybody uh-huh. has all of the shit. You can't and, get away with nothing. Nope. So it's like, yeah, you might disable your stuff, but you don't know what everyone else has. And you can bet your ass if police come up and they say, can I have your security footage from this, this, and this? Because I'd be like, sure fuck can. Mm-hmm. I, well, I probably what? shouldn't say. I probably wouldn't say that because that wasn't an actual sentence. <laughs> I would say, you sure fucking can. Well, and I would do just just like Dimiflachi's neighbor because he was like, uh-huh, pulled it up on the TV and was like, let's watch it. Oh. And like, we'll do it because I would be like, mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. What's that mean right there? What's that mean? Like, yeah. he was did you just it. see him? Uh, he was like, "That's not normal behavior. Mm-mm. He doesn't normally do that." Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He parks on the street. We're talking about Chris Watts. We never actually oh, said his name. Well, because I don't. It's a, he who shall remain nameless. But yes, Chris Watts can't stand that motherfucker. I hate him. Anyway, but I love his neighbor. Uh huh. 
And I even think he, th- this is so me. The neighbor like ask shit like, oh, so you got him on this. And the cop's like, I'll be back. Like, you know, like, yeah, keep this. We'll be back. Well, you know, like can't yeah. say anything. My luck, my fucking Mr. Magoo ass would fucking be like, <laughs> oh, you got him. Okay. And then like, whoa, 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 drop the remote and delete it. <laughs> yeah. And be like, oh. I did a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you got him. Got- oh shit, you had him, but uh <laughs> I hit it. I uh that thing or the delete button. <laughs> oh god. That's so sad, but so true. <laughs> okay, okay, back to this one. So police are gathering all this information, you know, they're working dependent on Todd. When a fireman is out fishing in Illinois Rock River. When he sees something. Mm. It's the body of a female, very decomposed. And through dental records, they prove that it is Katrina Smith. Oh, gosh. At least they found her body. Mm -hmm. The autopsy showed that she died a pretty brutal death. Fuck Todd. She was pretty severely beaten. And... The cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. Now they know how she died. Blunt force trauma. But again, how though? Well, they find out from um, Todd's own daughters. Oh, shit. So Todd had told, okay, so he had three daughters. And Todd had told his daughters and a friend, like, okay, go to the house. Can you get, like, get all these things for me? He had his fucking daughters make his kill kit? No. This was after. Oh, okay. Like, he's like, hey, can you go pick up these things from the house for me? Oh, okay. I thought you meant like he was, you know, plotting it and was like, hey, I need, you know, the tape. I need this. Mm -mm. And then called another one and was like, I need. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. So, he says to them, go pick up the stuff from the house for me. And one of the things that he wanted them to get, he was like... In the garage next to the washing machine, I made up where it was, there's a bat, like a Louisville Slugger bat. Grab that. fucking bat. Uh Uh-huh. Grab that for me, too, while you're in there. Well, (laughs) when they, like, take him all the stuff, he's like, where the fuck is the bat? And they're like, it it wasn't there. And he was so upset that they didn't have the bat. Well, that's because police already had it. So the police are really starting to look at the bat now. Because, you know, they just took, like, everything, you know. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, I know, like, a bat's not that uncommon with people. But, like, also, mm-hmm. a fucking bat, Todd. hmm So they find blood on the bat. And, of course, it's Katrina's. So they arrested Todd. They charged him with murder, aggravated battery, aggravated domestic battery, and concealment of a homicide. He pleads not guilty. Of course. If he did all of this because he didn't want to go to jail for the original shit, mm-hmm. it's like, dude, mm-mm. you definitely going away a lot longer for all of this. And why? They find him guilty, first degree murder, and he's sentenced to 59 years. And so he's 50 years old. So it's a life sentence for him. And he is just so... <sighs> Because he's, like, still saying, like, oh, I'm innocent, blah, blah, blah. And, like, talking about how he's going to appeal and, like, even, like, reads a Bible verse in court and all that. So, it's like, fuck you. You know, we don't care about you. But at least Katrina can be laid to rest and her family got some answers and justice was served. Yes. I wish we knew, like, what set him off, though. It's said that she asked for a divorce that night. Okay. Yeah. So sad. Damn. So many twists and turns I wasn't expecting. Like an affair, okay. But like, he's part of a Ponzi scheme? Right. Wait, he, that ain't his name? Wait, he tried to kill his family? Right. Wait, he was tracking her for three years? You know, it was like, there were so many like, wait, what? Wait, what? Huh? You know? Yeah, he was not right. But it's like, how do you find that stuff out? Like, you know, let's say, like... It's a fucking hard life out there for a single girl. You know, like, how are you supposed to find out or or even trust someone enough in that way? Like, it's like, 
Okay, well, his name's Todd Smith. Well, let me do a back. I mean, even if you did a background check, he changed his fucking name. You'd never know that. It kind of reminded me of the Susan Powell case, too. Like, a little bit of how, I don't know, like, Josh just wasn't what he seemed. Kind of mm-hmm. like this guy. Like, money. Like, no money. Although they kind of acted like they did. You know, that kind of thing. It just, mm-hmm. I don't know, it was reminiscent of that case for me, too. It was almost like this case combined Chris Watts and Josh Powell. Yeah. Because, again, with the Chris Watts thing... They seemed to have all the money in the world, but they were in debt. Yeah. And they were living that life for social media. Uh-huh. I can't stand him. Never cover him. I won't because you won't shut up the whole time. I really liked your story this week. I liked yours. Oh, thanks. I have to make it weird. <laughs> God. You remember that guy that time? He was a police officer and he went undercover to get the guy to like confess in jail and he like was like oh mm-hmm. yeah i like to yes. like do that and he was like ho 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 yes. you know and i'm like really like that mean okay yeah i feel like that's how your guy would be in jail like he'd be like i did everything perfect like you know what i mean mm-hmm. even though he got fucking caught because yeah. he didn't do things perfect yeah. You know what I mean? But he'd be like, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Thanks again to Bridget who recommended this story. Y'all know we want to hear all your ideas. Let us know what you thought about the stories. Send in all your sinister sightings, all your story recommendations, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Thank y'all so freaking much for listening and supporting us. We hope that you're staying safe and washing your hands. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.